Hey there. Welcome to another edition of the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank. It's a new year. We made it. Um, and maybe if you celebrated making it to 2021 a little too hard, we have just the person you're going to want to hear from, Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl, who spent a decade searching for an actual hangover cure that works. And he wrote a book about it. Uh, now, for those of you who are starting 2021 with some, let's say, healthier decisions, we have you covered too. Jenny Brusso is going to stop by. She is the founder of the Unlikely Hikers community, and she'll be talking to us about her work to create a more inclusive version of outdoor media and culture. Then, Portland Blues legend LaRonda Steele will send us off into this beautiful future with her version of Feeling Good. Don't go anywhere. We are going to get this new year started off right, right after this. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Livewire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Elena. <gasps> hey there, Luke. Look at you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We made it. You might hear the surprise in my voice. <laughs> uh, are you excited? Are you excited we got to another year? I am proud of us. I'm very proud of us. Yeah, that's actually a good way to think about it. It was not an easy 2020 for anybody. Mm -mm. And uh, and somehow we, we banded together and, and here we are, ready to do our little radio program. Should that's we give right. it a shot? Let's do it. Amali. Are you ready to uh, count us down to the beginning of the next year of live wire house parties? Five, four, three, two, one, let's go. <laughs> All right. We are rolling. Elena, take it away. From PRX, it's Livewire. Recorded from our actual houses. Welcome to the Live Wire House Party. This week. Writer and hangover curer Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl, unlikely hikers founder Jenny Brusso, and music from La Ronda Steele. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. Uh, thank you <laughs> so yeah. much. Uh, happy uh, New Year, uh, Elena Passarello, and uh, to everybody out there in listener land, thanks for joining us this week. We have a really fun show scheduled for you. Of course, we always ask the audience a question, and we like to get their responses to that. This week, we asked the audience, what is your New Year's resolution? That's a fairly standard question this time of year, but I do get very kind of caught up in my New Year's resolutions, Elena, because I'm a 
I'm a real attempted self-improver. I, mm. I love the idea of reinventing myself and of being a new version mm-hmm. of Luke Burbank. So the new year always gives me a chance to tell myself that this is a kind of a like a reset, like a hard reboot yeah. on old LB. I like that too. I like I, I like starting workouts on Mondays or on the first of right. the month. Like, and the new year is the ultimate version of that. Uh, what is your new year's resolution? Well, I always set kind of ridiculous ones like see a moose, you know, that was my new year's resolution <laughs> for about like eight years. And then you saw one, right? Yeah, finally in 2019. Um, but this year, I think for the first time, I'm actually going to try to set like a real resolution, like not like a joke one. I'm going to try to exercise and write before noon because those are the two things that I try to do every day and I always fail at them because they're the ones that I can always put aside. That's a really good goal. I will say that the days when I am able to actually get up and kind of shake a leg mm-hmm. earlier in the day, my sort of mental and emotional health feel like they're very much affected by that throughout the day. I feel, you know, just so much more able to tackle things after I've already done basically the worst part of my day, which is the jog. <laughs> Sometimes I try to go on the jog so early that I, I don't even wake up for the first half of the jog. Oh. Like, I sleep in my running clothes. Oh, smart. I get up. And then I just, I'm outside and it's, sometimes it's dark and it's like, I'm halfway done before my body even realizes we're not in bed anymore. So that's, you know, kind of a win. There's writers who do that, you know, like the, in the sort of dream state, they, they sort of can trick themselves. <gasps> yeah. But I think when you write nonfiction, that's kind of hard to do because you kind of need to be a little right. more connected to reality. So I'm going to wake up, have my coffee, do some writing, do some exercising. Well, good for you. I say um, 40% chance of success. <laughs> I have, I think, a lower chance of success with my resolution. Okay. This year, I am going to try to be totally honest with people, even if I think I am not giving them the answer that they want me to give them. Oh, that's so hard. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it? Yes. That's harder than seeing a moose. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't like telling people uh, uh, something that I know is going to cause them to then have feelings about me that I cannot control. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, if somebody invites me to something and I don't want to go to it, I will just sort of let that invite sit in the inbox, uh, Mm -hmm. until maybe the event has already passed. Mm -hmm. And then I might sometimes say, Oh, just caught this instead (laughs) of just saying, Hey, you know what? I I don't want to go to hot yoga with you because (laughs) one, it's a pandemic. And even if there wasn't a pandemic, that sounds horrible to me. And then I just have to let the other person you know, experience the experience of having me give them maybe the answer they weren't looking for. Well, it's true that you can't control what anybody thinks about you ever. So even trying to is kind of like only acknowledging half of the reality, right? You know, if I if I spend this year not trying to control what other people are thinking about me, I could learn two to three new languages. <laughs> I could probably become a master baker. Like the amount of time that would free up in a given day for me would just be really something. Maybe I should switch my resolution to that. No, you try to, listen, you stick with yours this year. I'll try to stick with mine. Maybe we'll check in at like the halfway mark and see how we're doing. If it's not working out, we'll just switch resolutions. That's actually not a bad idea. We'll swap. Because I think, yeah, I'm ar- I'm mostly already working out in the morning, so I'm halfway to yours. Although I think you're like me. I think you 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 like to let people down nicely. So you're going to have a, a longer journey to go with if you're trying to pick up my resolution midway through. Yeah, no. And I went to that school of like, if you're a girl, you have to be nice. Like that's the first, Oof. you have to be pretty and nice, you know, so we like. We need to shut that school down. Well, I mean. That school needs to be, they need to, I think needs to be. Yeah, condemn that building. Shattered and then salt the earth where that building once was. Yeah. What's the Livewire audience saying are some New Year's resolutions there? Going to try to keep. 
I got to tell you, this was a, a real windfall of resolutions. People okay. really want to let us know. Maybe because if we read them out loud on the radio, they'll feel more held accountable. Sure. <laughs> so here we go. Um, here is one from Tracy. Very ambitious resolution to eat all of the salad in the bag of salad mix from the grocery store before it expires. 2021 will be my third year attempting this resolution. <laughs> Tracy, I got one piece of advice for you. Wilt that stuff. If it's toward the end of the bag and things are starting looking kind of logy, put it in a pan and turn the pan on or get David to do it because that's what he does at our house and cover it. And then- you mean your husband? <laughs> that's right, my <laughs> hubby, my uh, the old ball and chain. Um, sure. Yeah, he just like, so in the morning, I'll make a smoothie with some of the almost turnt lettuce and then he'll wilt it down at night for dinner. And then before you know it, that bag is like the size of a credit card. I had no idea. So you can get ahead of this situation because mm-hmm. for me, it's I buy the bag of salad. I consume some of it, mm-hmm. ideally. And then <laughs> at some point, it is just turned into like a brown liquid that looks like they pulled uh. it out of Love Canal. <laughs> and then that's when it's that's when it's time to throw it in the garbage. <laughs> that's smoothie time, my friend. Wow, okay. But you have to get the kind of salad mix that's like spinach and kale and things like that. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if iceberg lettuce can wilt down into anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more quick one from the audience before we get to our first guest. Okay, here is one from Willow. Willow's resolution to never talk about 2020 again. <laughs> I honestly, I woke up this morning with that thought in my head. I was like, that was really rough on everyone. Mm-hmm. And if I let it, as the uh, young people say, if I let it live rent free in my head, mm-hmm. and if I let certain politicians live rent free in my head, oh God, don't let that guy that's live gonna, in your head. <laughs> that's going to ruin 2021. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, 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 that, that's actually a very good piece of advice to just not let the stuff in the past. Uh, you know, hang around. Amen. Um, Wouldn't it be amazing if all we right. all just made a silent pact just to like put a kibosh on talking about it for a little <laughs> while? Just a little while. I'm more than willing to sign that silent agreement with you right here on the show, at least as it pertains to Livewire. Virtual so handshake. Silent agreement in three, two, one. Okay, good. Um, that's legally binding. This is the Livewire House Party coming to you by way of PRX. Our first guest knows all about partying, or mostly what happens after you party a little too hardy. Is anyone saying that anymore, Elena? You are. I am. Okay, good. Um, this guy spent a decade researching the topic of hangovers, and by research, I mean he traveled all over the world getting very drunk in exotic locations, which it turns out is not as much fun as it sounds. The book is Hungover, The Morning After and One Man's Quest for the Cure. Uh, Let's take a listen to this, our conversation with Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl. We recorded this back in 2018. Shaughnessy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, congratulations on the book. It is, it's, uh, it's fascinating, and it's getting so much attention. The New York Times wrote a big review of it. Uh, you were interviewed on uh, All Things Considered. Now you're here in this dimly lit bar with us, which is the height <laughs> of media fame. Point. This is the high point. Why do you think there's been so much interest? Are we all, have we all been just walking around miserably hungover <laughs> and like needed the cure? Well, I don't think I even realized when I started researching this book that this book had never been written, if you know what I mean. The book about hangovers uh, just 
was not there. So I guess we needed it. And you needed it, which we'll get, <laughs> we'll get into uh, in a minute here. But let's start with the basics. Physically, what is happening to us when we are feeling hungover? Okay. Um, it's complicated, and I will try to condense it. Um, most people think it has a lot to do with dehydration. It does, but that's not really helpful to know that. Because if it, if it just had to do with dehydration, you could roll out of bed and yeah. chug a pint of water and feel better. And not but, throw it up, yeah, that as I've done many that, times. That doesn't work. And yeah. one of the reasons that doesn't work is that when you're chugging that glass of water, all of your cells in your body are inflamed. Uh, a lot of a hangover has to do with inflammation. And that includes all of the cells in your organs. And when they are inflamed, uh, they become rigid, and then they can't absorb water. So no matter how much water you're pouring into your system, it's just going right through. Um, and one of the reasons that inflammation is such a, is a big part of a hangover has to do with our own immune systems. The inflammation is a, a product of our own immune system fighting the toxicity. Most of the symptoms we feel are actually our own bodies trying to defend themselves. And then you also talk in the book about the sort of metaphysical hangover. What do you mean by that? Oh, I, I think anybody who's ever felt it knows what I mean by that. <laughs> um, that is the great abyss where the world and your own life seems impossible. <laughs> I guess uh, I could Happy go New on Year, and everyone. On about this. Uh, I think how I describe it uh, in the beginning of the book is it's that moment when you roll over in bed onto something that feels like a fish and then realize it's your soul. <laughs> right. This is this is the kind of collision of the physiological things and then the psychological uh, uh, sort of awareness that you probably made some poor decisions or it didn't have to go like things didn't have to go where they went the yeah, previous night yeah, except except without the probably i, I think it's <laughs> like the, this certainty that you have made the universe worse <laughs> i guess and that can make you feel sicker when you're hungover the shame <laughs> it doesn't can... make you feel better <laughs> how is big pharma not solved this problem yet it seems like there's a lot of money in yep. it and I mean, I, one of the things I was struck by in reading the book was you might be the world's expert on this, at least as lay people <laughs> go. Like there are some scientists, but you are now probably like if you pass away, most of our hangover related knowledge goes with you. Well, no, I, I wrote a book. <laughs> Is that how books work? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a little hungover right now. So <laughs> yeah. You'll have to forgive yeah. me. So, uh, it's, okay, fine. But okay. what I mean is, but, uh, I, get it. What I, what I guess where I'm going with this is you definitely learned so much about this topic. I mean, yeah. it, and how is it that, yeah, you know, one of these big pharmaceutical companies hasn't just put some energy towards this mm -hmm. just to make money, if mm -hmm. nothing else? Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that. It w it's one of the conundrums that I was trying to figure out through researching the book, and the, 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 that took me almost 10 years to answer a lot of these questions. Um, I do figure that throughout history, uh, there before Big Pharma existed even, um, there was a reticence within the medical communities uh, for hundreds of years to even bother because A, doctors are necessarily busy, um, and also the answer seemed quite obvious, like just don't drink, you idiot, you know? <laughs> but I think that uh, that's only part of it because 
um, obviously there, this is a malady that, that has existed for so long, and there should be some research into it, and yet there has been so little. I don't really have a great answer for you. I think that it may come down to some sort of um, survival mechanism buried deep in, in, in our DNA saying, don't cure this thing, because yeah. if you do, society will fall into ruins. Right. <laughs> you know? This is the Livewire House Party coming to you from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. We are listening to a conversation with the writer Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl about his book, Hungover, The Morning After, and One Man's Quest for a Cure. Just totally random week, Elena, for us to be focusing <laughs> on hangovers. Just worked out. We have to take a quick break, but we will be right back, so don't go anywhere. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke, I didn't see you there. It's that time of year again. My seasonal allergies are back. Oh, congratulations. But also, it's our spring member drive, which is happening right now through May 17th. Oh, I like that much more than seasonal allergies. Yeah, if you are not yet a member of Livewire's League of Extraordinary Listeners, well, now is the time to do it. Why? Well, because this League of Extraordinary Listeners... Uh, is what keeps the lights on over at Livewire Inc., uh, which is definitely not the association that we are part of. I'm probably a 501c3. They don't let me near any of the paperwork mm -hmm. or bookkeeping, and it's really better that way. Yes. Point is, we we are only able to keep doing this show because of support from our members, and we would love it if you could join us in that right now. Plus, there are all kinds of sweet perks, including... Uh, special discounted tickets to live recordings, on-air shout-outs, exclusive content. Uh, and, Elena, uh, one more thing that, of course, we would not be a self-respecting public radio show if we didn't offer this. If we didn't offer the most iconic public radio swag of all time, a tote bag. True iconic status. Yeah, but it's not just any tote bag. This is like a really good tote bag. It's got a second zipper, an internal zipper. Yes, whatever you want to put in the tote bag, that's your business, okay? What we're mm -hmm. here to talk about is you keeping Livewire going. So head on over to livewireradio.org to see the various member levels. It does not matter how much you are giving every month to Livewire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, let's get back to our conversation with the writer Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl. We thought this would be the perfect week to have him on to talk about his book, Hungover, The Morning After, and One Man's Quest for the Cure. Take a listen to this. You, uh, throughout this book, are just trying anything and everything to <laughs> fix your hangovers, which yeah. you are coming by honestly in the book. <laughs> like, you are really, this is immersive journalism. Um, you went to Vegas and got this kind of crazy IV drip among other things that was it's sort of pitched as like a cure. I actually know the first time I heard about this was I uh, f friends with a guy who was a football player, like an NFL football player. And he, this was years ago. He was like, Oh yeah, 
if you don't have someone bringing bags over in the morning, you're not doing Vegas right now. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and this is this whole crazy thing of being yeah. kind of injected with all this reviving stuff. What, yeah. How does this work, and did it work for you? Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, there's something called a Myers cocktail, which uh, I go into a little bit in the book uh, that uh, um, is the result of some research done by a Dr. Myers. But it's uh, basically some vitamins, magnesium, some amino acid supplements that uh, you would put into your... Uh, system through an IV drip, and it's uh, it's been a pretty common way to treat a hangover for for a while now. Um, I really put this to the test by um, not just over imbibing, but my idea was that I would go uh, after over imbibing the next morning to this place called Hangover Heaven, where this hangover doctor does this IV drip uh, on you. Uh, but then I would do things after that that you would never ever want to do with a hangover to really test if it worked. That's the real true measure of a hangover. It's not can you lie in mm -hmm. bed all Saturday and lick your wounds. It's like can you host a public radio show? For example. I mean, if I'm example. thinking of just a random <laughs> just example. Just totally random. But things yeah. that, like, when you have to do things that are hard right. and you're hungover, that's the real measure. So I made a list of what I thought would be the worst things. And then what I ended up doing is I, I drove a, a Ferrari race car around a 10-turn track. Um, I, I flew a, um, a fighter jet doing, um, like, hammer dives and, and, and a mock dogfight, but a, a real jet. Uh, up in the real air, um, I shot bazookas. Uh, I went to a I went to a mariachi concert, <laughs> um, and I also jumped off the stratosphere, which is the uh, highest freestanding building west or east yes. of the Mississippi, something it, of the Mississippi. It's upsettingly uh, tall. It's very tall. Uh, what was interesting here, Luke, is that I stumbled into what I think might be one of the possible cures out there, which is that when I jumped off the stratosphere, the immense surge of adrenaline seemed to just blow the hangover right out of me. Uh, and then I started doing a bit more research into adrenaline and uh, what scientists call this fast sobering phenomenon, whereby you know a drunken individual after a surge of adrenaline can suddenly display the characteristics of a downright sober person. <laughs> um, I'm curious, what was your relationship with uh, booze before you wrote the book and then, um, uh, you know, sort of throughout the book and then even after? And were you were you just professionalizing <laughs> an already kind of raging habit of drinking? I say this, by the way, as a person who literally has a brass plaque at a bar in Seattle, the Baranoff, that says Luke Burbank, professional drinker. Nice, <laughs> nice. So, like, you're among friends. Yeah, but was yeah, this yeah. you just trying to make a living off of something you were already doing that was probably not a great idea? <laughs> well, I actually came across a quote, I can't remember uh, um, who said it, but I think it's in the book, that uh, although many have tried, none have successfully uh, drunk for a living. And I think... I think I just wanted to put that to the test. And it sounds like you you have tried to put that to the test. Well, too. in my life. And also to quote Tyrion Lannister, being drunk all the time isn't easy. Otherwise, everyone would do it. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, certainly, I think the closer that I got to the cure, uh, or at least the cure that worked for me, the more complicated my relationship with alcohol became. For sure. I would give you that. Um, you know, one of, uh, I think, the core... The ideas of the book is be careful what you wish for, you know. Um, to have the ability to drink uh, to excess 
without fear of the morning after is um, a complicated and perhaps dangerous thing. And, uh, and I discovered that personally, for sure. Because you hit upon this combination of, of things that for you really did kind of do the trick. Yes, yes. Uh, I, for, for legal reasons, I'm not supposed to say, uh, take these and go do this. But I can say, I took these and it worked. Okay. But I mean, so, but to your point, do you want to unleash that on the universe? I don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> I really don't. And I think it's sort of the ch last chapter of the book is about that yeah. question. Do I want to? Um, because what happens if uh, that warning system is no longer there? Uh, now, we don't really heed that warning system that closely. So much. Right. Of it's us, not like you know, it's, it's not a perfect sort of safeguard because we, we know what's going to happen and we still go do it. But I think that we may do it a lot more if the warning system isn't there at all. And then everybody's plastered all the time and society falls into ruins. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Do I want to uh, unleash that? I'm not sure. I did put the ingredients in the book and I did uh, sort of suggest how it could be taken or how I take it. So I guess I, I, if enough people buy the book, hell will be unleashed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a real good news, uh, bad yeah, news my, my situation for you. My publisher's not going to be happy I said that. I don't good think. news. You're number one on Amazon. Bad <laughs> yeah. news. Denver is on fire. Yeah. 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 Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl, everyone. The book is Hungover, The Morning oh, yeah. After, and One Man's Thank Quest you. for the Cure. All right, Shaughnessy, here at Livewire, we can't really do, like, feats of physical strength uh, because it doesn't translate to radio. This is, you know, kind of an audio medium. But we can test our guests uh, with the ultimate test of their mind, which is why we have a little segment we like to call Let's Get Quizzical. Let's get quizzical. That was awesome. Oh, my God. That is uh, regularly the highlight of the show. The Livewire house band, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Okay. Uh, your uh, book uh, covers a lot of folk remedies for hangovers throughout the ages. You tried a bunch of these. But we thought it would be interesting to quiz you on some other old school remedies okay. that actually work. Uh, you have to pick that out of the ones that we just made up. I think I understand. Okay. Uh, which everyday item can you grind up and add to your shampoo to get rid of dandruff? Okay. Is it A, peppercorns? Is it B, your dog's heartworm medication? <laughs> is it C, aspirin? Or is it D, packing peanuts? Which item can you grind up and add to your shampoo to get rid of dandruff? This is proven to work. It's got to be the first one. I already forget what it was. but Peppercorns. Yeah. Oh, you are 100% wrong. Oh, good. It's actually aspirin, which uh, contains a type of acid, uh, which is also an anti-acne ingredient, uh, which sloughs off dead skin. 
You can use a mortar and pestle to crush up the aspirin and add it to your shampoo, lather it, leave it on for 10 minutes, and it is known to cure dandruff. I, I'm ashamed and humiliated now. Well, maybe you don't suffer from dandruff, and this is not relevant to your experience. <laughs> okay, you Although aspirin is. So. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so In order to get rid of warts without... <laughs> Without going to a doctor, which household item can be used? Is it A, used printer cartridge, which you rub directly on the wart every morning? Is it rubbing shriveled up lime wedges on the wart? Is it putting duct tape on the wart? It's duct tape. You are absolutely yeah, I, right. Wow. I do. I do. Yeah, Have you dealt with warts in your life? No, no, but it works for blisters, so I figure it would work for warts. Like I, I'm, I'm Canadian, I, I hike in the mountains with duct tape on my feet all the time. <laughs> That's what we do. You've confirmed every stereotype we have about Canadians. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, basically, the duct tape suffocates the wart. So you cover it with duct tape. The wart, the virus, uh, after 28 days, has been suffocated. It dies. It falls off. The downside is you're walking around with duct tape on your body for about a month. <laughs> um, yeah, but I got that one right. That's, you got that that's one right. That's all that yeah. matters. There you go. <laughs> all politics is local. Yeah. How about this? If you have a toothache, what should you chew on to fix a toothache? Oh. A paper towel soaked in olive oil. A chocolate brownie. Wax from a melted candle. Or a clove of garlic. Well, aspirin works for this, too. Right. But it's not one of them. It would be too easy. Okay, okay. I think garlic, but I like that olive oil one, too. I'm going to go with... (laughs) (laughs) There is no lifeline. You cannot phone a friend. I'm going to go with garlic. You are 100% right. Shaughnessy, nice work. Three. Uh, Yeah, uh, garlic. uh, You make a garlic paste with salt. You apply it four times a day for Mm. 30 minutes. Uh, plan on spending this time alone. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine the poor soul. They got duct tape on their foot. <laughs> garlic aspirin in their hair. Reek of garlic. <laughs> Everything is fixed uh, physically, but I'm very lonely. <laughs> All right, last one. Okay. Which item usually found rolling around in the bottom of your fridge drawer can be used to um, uh, help with a spider bite? Is it... The nine celery stalks that are left after you used a bunch of celery for a recipe. Is it that one sad potato that's been in there since the 1970s? Is it that bag of pre-made salad that is thrown out unopened exactly one month after being purchased? For spider bite. For spider bite. Uh, I'm just, or is it that yam? Oh, there's a fourth. Oh. Yeah, there's a fourth, and it's that that's yam. That yam. Which one of those can be rubbed on a spider bite? I don't think you do. I'm going to go oh, potato. Gosh. Yeah! Shaughnessy, when you're right, you're right. Oh, man. You cut it in half, you tape it onto a spider bite. <laughs> With duct tape. With duct tape. You've got some duct tape around <laughs> at this point. Uh, pa- potato peels contain compounds that are anti-inflammatory. This is, you know, yeah. it turns out inflammation right is really what's bringing us down on multiple levels it, at this it's point. It's true. It's true. When's the last time you were exceedingly hungover? Um, well, I had my official book launch two days ago. Hmm. So th- I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to see Bishop Stahl, everybody. Check out the new book. Thanks for coming on Livewire. <laughs> 
That was Shaughnessy Bishop Stahl, recorded back in 2018, right here on Livewire. His book is called Hungover, The Morning After and One Man's Quest for the Cure. Special thanks this episode to Gene Houghton of St. Paul, Minnesota, and Kathleen Kinder of Portland, Oregon. Gene and Kathleen are part of the Livewire member community, and they generously support our show with a donation each month. And we are so thankful for that support because it's how we are able to keep the show going. So a huge thanks this week to Gene and Kathleen. This is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. As we do each week on the show, we like to ask the audience a question and then get those responses. This week, the question was, what's your New Year's resolution? New Year, new us. What are the listeners saying, Elena? What are they resolving to do? Okay, well, here is one from a definite friend of the show. We all know Corey Shreppel, who mixed a bunch oh, yeah. of our live shows. Corey is about to, I think, move on to a cushy job at the New York Times in their video the department. New York Times, indeed. Yeah, congratulations to Corey. So he sent yes. in a response to this. What is his yes. New Year's resolution other than kicking the dust of live wire off his feet and heading <laughs> to the big time? Corey's resolution is 3840 times 2160. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be able to do that in my head. Do you know what the – have you done the math on that? I did. Well, I, I figured maybe if you multiplied it, it would, like, make boobs on the calculator or something, you know? Because, like, that must be yeah. what it is. But that wasn't what it was. And so then I, I put it into my search bar, and it is a type of resolution for, like, video. It's, like, 4K. Oh, my gosh resolution i see that's his resolution (laughs) yeah so very appropriate for somebody who's about to do video work for the new york times to put in an answer like that because it's both thinky and audio visual that's right well (laughs) congratulations Corey. good for you and also that joke needs a little work Ah! i would uh i would punch that up if i were you have fun at the new york times what else are the live wire listeners saying uh are some things they're resolving to do how about this one from Susie? more (gasps) hygge Oh, yeah. I don't know how to say that word, but I want to live in it more. Mm-hmm. It's funny because you think we've been in sweatpants for nine months that we all sh- should be like hugged yeah. out. But like, I don't even know if it's higgy, hugga. I don't know how you say it. That's what I'm, I don't dare even say it on uh, national radio. But Higa. that's this um, kind of uh, a Scandinavian idea of what being comfortable, being feeling cozy, sort of cozy at home or something. But yeah, I think we've we've been at home in stretchy pants, but I think we've all been stressed mm-hmm. out. So we probably have had yes. this perfect scenario too, Huga, but we have never been able to actually achieve it. Right. So that's what 2020 right. is going to be for. Yes. Our brains have not been able to get into the Huga feeling because they've been so uh, filled with anxiety. So yeah. um, that's a really good one too going forward. What's another one? How about this one from Jason? Start using both of my AirPods instead of one. <laughs> well, it's good to have achievable goals. Yeah, set reasonable goals. It's a lot better than seeing Sasquatch or whatever. <laughs> I've never worn one. I figured they would stop. I No, they don't. And in fact, we had something happen on this show early in the pandemic. We had Mandy Moore on the program and Taylor, her really cool uh, musician husband. Oh, yeah. And they were sharing AirPods. That's but right. But what we didn't realize was only one AirPod has the microphone built into it. So whichever one of them had the other AirPod, we had no idea what they were saying the entire interview. 
I saw them together playing a Christmas song on one of the late night talk shows a couple weeks ago, and it was magical. She sounded mm-hmm. amazing, and he was playing along, and there were candles everywhere. And it actually made me feel kind of good about 2020 because I was like, oh, yeah, not too long ago, I was sitting in my closet listening to the two of them sing a song right. to me. <laughs> they probably broke out both sets of AirPods for national TV. They yeah. only wanted to use one for I us. I didn't so want to bring still, it up, you know, but yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Okay, <laughs> what's, what's another New Year's resolution from the listeners? Here's one from Patricia. My resolution going into 2021 is to be a less nosy neighbor. I guess that means looking out of my window significantly less than I typically do. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Uh, Is that the worst? I mean, if you're, you know, if you're calling the authorities on people for no reason, that's not great. Or if you're um, gossiping about people, that's probably not the best. But I mean, look, if you're looking to entertain yourself and you stare out your window and you see something interesting, I mean, is that... That make you a bad neighbor? I hope not, because I have been. I have named every dog, uh, most of the people <laughs> taking walks, all of the delivery employees, most deer and wild turkeys. Uh, yeah, I'm very nosy yeah. as a neighbor. So. <laughs> My neighbor is, I think, maybe 96, and uh, she's her name's Doris, and she is mm. still uh, uh, about as mentally sharp as you could be. Mm. And one time, I was talking to her daughter. And her daughter said, oh, yeah, you're the one that jogs, right? Uh, and I was like, uh, yeah, how do you know that? She's like, oh, my mom just posted up at the window <laughs> tracking. I mean, if you want the institutional memory of my neighborhood in Bellingham, Washington, talk to Doris. She's the archivist. She has watched all of it, and she's committed it all to her mental archive. That's beautiful. Come on. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you to everyone who sent in their responses to our question. Of course... Uh, We will reveal next week's question at the end of this show, so please do stick around for that. In the meantime, this is the Live Wire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank. That is Elena Passarello. We're talking about the new year on this week's show. Uh, And for many people, the new year includes, of course, intentions about pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone. For our next guest, that meant spending time outdoors, but also figuring out how to make the outdoors more in the comfort zone of queer and fat people such as herself. Her experience led her to starting the Unlikely Hikers community. She came on our show back in 2018 to tell us about it. Take a listen to this conversation with Jenny Brusa. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. Jenny Brusso, you founded something called Unlikely Hikers here in Portland. What is that all about? Unlikely Hikers is an Instagram platform and community that features the underrepresented outdoors person. That includes people of color, fat people like me, queer people, trans people, disabled folks, and so on. We talk about politics and the outdoors, mental health stuff, et cetera. Uh, You are originally from Southern California. I I heard you were described as a a club DJ. (laughs) What was your first hike here in Oregon like? Oh, my first hike um, was uh, the Tom, Dick, and Harry Mountain Trail over Mirror Lake, uh, Mount Hood. It was actually terrible. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. And I thought that that alone would make me not want to hike ever again. Why was it such a bad experience? You know, okay, so the person who invited me to do the hike that day had just finished hiking the PCT. And... Which, for (laughs) folks outside of the Northwest, that's the... 
the Pacific Crest Trail. Right. It's one of the long trails. It goes from Mexico to Canada. And I knew that it was a big deal, but I didn't know how much of a big deal it was. And he was like, let's go on a hike. And I was like, okay. So we do this trail. And, it, it, you know, for most people, that's not a very difficult trail. But I didn't hike. I didn't do anything like that. So for me, it was really difficult. And But I think a seed was planted. When was the the first time that you had a good hike in the Northwest and you thought like, I'm into this? Well, about six years ago, um, I was invited on another hike. What was the distance of time between your first hike and when you were willing to go back out there? It was about three or four years. <laughs> yeah. So it took a while. I hated it. I really did. Um, so I was invited on this second hike. Uh, it was a first date with my partner, who I'm still with, uh, six years ago. And uh, it was the Maple Trail in Forest Park. And I still felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was wearing club wear, because that's the only clothes that I had. What, what does that mean? Like <laughs> I was wearing like a, a, a leopard spandex dress and tights and cowboy boots. And I had a full face of makeup. Up and, you know, I felt self-conscious and, and kind of, you know, insecure about my breathing, my sweating, whatever, but it was, it was such a transformative experience. Like, I felt like something happened that day that opened me up to this new world. I needed something new, and this was a new thing. I, I think that uh, for a lot of us who fit into the kind of majority, I'm, you know, a white, straight dude. Um, spoiler alert for people who've only listened to the radio <laughs> show. Um, it would never occur to those of us who are in the sort of majority cis world that it would not feel like a welcoming place for some people to go out into the outdoors. Like, explain what that experience is like for, for people who don't maybe seek that stuff out because it doesn't feel like it's welcoming to them. Yeah, well, you know, living in Portland, you know, everybody has or everybody seems to have this sort of relationship with the outdoors, this sort of access. And the thing is, is when you don't see yourself represented in outdoorsy media, social media ads, whatever, it, it doesn't feel like an invitation. Like I never saw myself represented in outdoors culture as a fat queer person. And uh, I, I didn't really even know where to start when I got started with it. And I also was seeing a lot of other people left out of of, of these, this media that I, I really wanted to see. So I wanted to tell another story about the outdoors. I wanted to tell mine and also the stories of other people who weren't being included. So like, how do you go about doing that? Like, well, you get together with folks, you go on hikes, you put it on social media. What does this actually look like? Where do you guys hike? Who shows up for the hikes? Yeah. Um, well, I shortly after started a blog, a personal blog, where I talked about my journey to hiking and all of the things I've found as a, a, a fat, queer hiker, because um, there's not a lot of gear and things like that for fat people. And so I wanted to share the information, also share just how this was all going about and whatnot. Um, early on, I called myself an unlikely hiker in a piece, and people just kind of grabbed onto it. People were asking me, what are you going to do with this? So I started Unlikely Hikers less than two years ago. And uh, shortly thereafter, I started leading group hikes all around Portland, but now also nationwide. Um, and all kinds of folks show up for my hikes, people of all genders, sexualities, you know, races, ethnicities. Like, you know, it, it's amazing. 
What do you hear from the folks who are out there who are showing up like for the first time? You know, there's this common thread of vulnerability, and that might be really surprising to people who have an innate sense of access, but a lot of people feel like they can finally let their hair down, be themselves, that they're in safer, supportive spaces, and they're saying things like, I always needed something like this, but I didn't know how to find it. And, with, and, and a lot of people tell me that they hike because of unlikely hikers. Do you have a story that comes to your mind, either something you experienced or something you saw someone experiencing that really typifies this? Yeah, you know, my friend Vanessa uh, actually started the PCT last May, and I know that she started it largely in part because she felt really supported by the unlikely hikers community. And unfortunately, on the trail, she had a whole other experience where she experienced a lot of sexism and fat phobia and was taunted by other hikers in such a way that she ended up leaving the trail about 454 miles in. Uh, and it's, it's a really sad story. She wrote a great piece about it. It's on the internet. Um, but, you know, for her to take such a leap in that way because of something Unlikely Hikers, you know, stands for is really amazing to me. And she still hikes with us. No, I can't imagine shaming anyone for any reason who has hiked 450 miles. That's just like... I know. I am exhausted if I drive 450 miles. I mean, you'd hope yeah. that... I mean, it, like, do you feel like groups like Unlikely Hikers are making some progress and changing attitudes about this? Because it sounds like, at least out there, for your friend, that was not the experience. I mean... Are we seeing some progress? I probably should have told a more positive story, but that is the one that that really jumps out to me. And you know, I do think it's it. I think progress is being made. I think that people are being forced to think about issues they've never thought about before, and that's probably largely in part because of social media. But I think for a long time, people unquestioningly, you know enjoyed the outdoors and and didn't really have to think about why it's political and and who's invited to these to the outdoors and who's not well how do people find out about an unlikely hike near them oh, you can find out about unlikely hikers group hikes on the instagram profile at unlikely hikers and my blog jennybrusso.com all right jenny brusso thanks for being our new fascinating friend right here on livewire That was Jenny Brusso, recorded back in 2018 here on Livewire. By the way, an update on what Jenny has been up to. Um, before the pandemic, she had partnered with REI and Unlikely Hikers had chapters that were meeting for group hikes all over the country. Then in April, Jenny launched uh, an Unlikely Hikers podcast, which you can check out online and uh, she's going to be launching a line of plus-size backpacks this spring. Cool. You are listening to the Live Wire House Party from PRX. we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to hear some music from LaRonda Steele, which I promise is going to be exactly what you want to hear to get in the mood mm. for a vastly improved 2021. Stay with us. Livewire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season. Formerly known as Tea Chai Tay, 
Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest, and they make one-of-a-kind handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream Earl Grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to the LiveWire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Okay, our musical guest this week is a, a legend in Portland, and for a very good reason. Uh, we can't think of any better song to sort of wrap things up on the show this week and also kick things off for 2021. So take a listen to this. It's LaRonda Steele performing her version of Feeling Good. We recorded this live at the Jack London Review back in 2018. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by. Know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Yes. And I'm feeling Ha <laughs> ha 
I'm feeling. We're going to go to church for a minute, y'all. I'm going to hear you say, yeah. Are you feeling? Can you feel it? Somebody say, yeah, for life. Why are y'all? We are feeling That was LaRonda Steele on Livewire. Exactly, I think, the song to kick this year off. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hear more of LaRonda's music, you can find her online at LaRondaSteele.com. All right. I'm all pumped up now, but before we get out of here, a little preview of next week's show. Uh, we're going to be talking to Roman Mars, who hosts the amazing show 99% Invisible uh, he talks about all of these overlooked design elements in our everyday life. I promise you're never going to, like, look at the sidewalk the same again. Uh, we're also going to talk to writer Shayla Lawson about her collection of essays, This is Major, which the Kirkus Review calls a hilarious, heartbreaking, and endlessly entertaining homage to black women's resilience and excellence. And also, we are going to be looking to get your answers to our listener question which is where our social media manager, Ariana Donneville, comes in. Hey, Ariana. Hey, Luke. Are you the kind of person that has a, a kind of a wild New Year's Eve, or do you have something that's a little bit more, I don't know, mature, sedate, calm? We keep it kind of mellow, but my birthday is around New Year's, so we party nice. a little bit, just a smidge. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just the right amount? Sweet. Yeah. Hey, what is the um, listener question for this coming week? The question is, tell us about a mystery you can't seem to solve. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a hard one. Like all the monoliths yeah. popping up, you know? <laughs> Nobody can solve it. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they coming from? I know. I know. Yeah, that one. I was, like, obsessed with that story when it was happening. Yeah. Uh, what's the best way for people to uh, send in the uh, little mysteries they can't seem to solve? Answers can be submitted to our social media channels. We're on Facebook at LiveWire Radio, as well as on Twitter and Instagram, at LiveWire Radio. All right, send in those answers, and you may hear them read on the radio next week. Ariana, thank you very much, and happy birthday. Thank Woo! you. That is going to do it for our show this week. A huge thanks to our guests, Shaughnessy Bishop-Stahl, Jenny Brusso, and LaRonda Steele. LiveWire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. And Ariana Donneville is our marketing manager birthday girl. Our house band is Jonathan Newsom, Ethan Fox Tucker, and A. Walker Spring, who also composed our music. Molly Pettit is our technical director and mixed this episode along with Corey Schreppel. Our house sound is by D. Neil Blake. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Cultural Trust and the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. This week, we'd like to thank member Arvid Hokanson of Mercer Island, Washington. For more information about the show or how you can listen to our podcast, visit livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew. 
Happy New Year. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Livewire. When we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.